Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're joined again by Emma from Essex Dog Training. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Emma. Um, no now, problem. she might not be invited back because there's no donuts this time. No, I'm at the moment, I've started my training for the British team, which is in May. So I need to stay off donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Reduce the fat, lose some weight, get fit and don't let my dog down is the plan. That's a good idea. But yes. before we jump into it, actually, it gave uh, an interesting question. How much of the training for the British team is down to you and how much is the dog fitness wise? I would say it's 50% each way. The dog's got to be fit. So the international agility courses are longer than British courses. So dog needs to be fit. Obviously, they have to be trained up to their skill level. So it's a different set of skills. Um, dog needs to be fit. Dog, see, dog sees physio and, and gets yeah. fit and we do all the exercises. And my fitness has got to match that because I don't want to let him down. So equal parts, really. So, so how many times do you see an agility run and then the dog's at the end and the... You need a good send on. Yeah, yeah. I do teach my dogs to be independently sending on. There's no way that I can match his speed. You don't have to go around. It's just a dog, in theory. Yeah. The dog goes around the course, but you're alongside that dog. So... But if you could teach the dog to go on... And lots of people do. Lots of people do distance handling where they stand in the middle. And it's phenomenal to watch it. Mm. So the para team a lot of them stand in the middle and send of their course. dogs along and it's not my speciality i don't mm. teach my dogs to drive yeah. that they drive a long way from me because i am getting older and, and getting slower but yeah it's phenomenal to watch yeah. there, there are you could have really more donuts good... though. <laughs> <laughs> donuts are bad for you <laughs> very true you should know that <laughs> yeah um so what we spoke about uh, before we hit record, uh, we wanted to talk uh, about quite a few different things. Uh, in particular, uh, we want to talk about when you're you're new to a dog and first training, first dog, etc., all that sort of stuff. What the first steps people should take are? Yeah, I think um, so. I think what we should, should chat about first would be so you've made a decision mm. and you think that you want to make a dog. What do you do? then you know there's there's lots of pressure on people to rescue dogs yeah. and there are a lot of pressure on people that want to get puppies so i think it would be really nice for your listeners to explore both avenues mm. um because there are good and bad yeah. on both sides of that so um yeah okay. i think that's where we need to go and then yeah we can carry on with the training side so let's talk about that for a second let's talk okay. about the the nice fluffy andrex puppy side of things Right. Okay. So, yeah. So you've decided that you want a puppy. Um, the first question that most people will say to me, if I do a pre-puppy visit, so they've made a decision that they want a puppy. And the first question that they'll say to me is what breed? Mm. Yeah. So so sh- they, they want to know what breed would fit into their lifestyle. And I think that's a really relevant question. One of the first things that I say to people is have they got, 14 spare hours a week which Mm -hmm. is basically two spare hours a day yeah if they haven't the breed that they should be looking at is probably a cuddly toy Mm -hmm. um or to be making provisions within the family you know somebody that is out eight hours a day Mm. for eight hours and has no provision for that dog it's not the right thing for them. They and when we're talking about provisions, you're talking about dog walkers? Or? Dog walkers, family members, you know, dogs should not be, they're not, they are sociable animals and a lot of behaviour visit, uh, sorry, a lot of behaviour 
issues will come about because they're spending far too long on their own. Mm. And and it what, sometimes what happens is people don't always associate the behaviour trait with the period of time that they're on their own. So they may be on their own for six hours. That dog may do nothing wrong within those six hours. Yeah. So it would be perceived that the dog's fine on its own. And yet, you know, once they get home, we're getting nipping, we're getting biting, we're getting, you know, lots of other traits, destructible mm. behaviour, because suddenly it's getting attention. Um, and also you get a certain amount of guilt within people. I know when, when I had the children and I went back to work, I felt terribly guilty about leaving yeah. my babies. So, so, of course, then you overcompensate when they get home. So, yeah, basically the, one of the first things if you're considering getting a dog is that have I got enough time and commitment and financial implication mm. as well. So they're the sorts of questions that you should be asking yourself. Um, and I have done the, the pre-pup visits, I would say probably five ten percent i've actually talked out of getting a dog mm. and they've decided that it's not the right thing for them and i, and I think that's a really good thing yeah. that they've made that decision and for them it might only be timing more than anything else absolutely yeah yeah definitely you know sometimes people think oh yeah it's a really nice idea to get a dog and, and I, I, it's lovely to see and hear that the dog world is changing and people are beginning to take that into consideration and i've had several people say to me it's what I want to do, but it's not the right timing. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's a really good thing. That's so, good, yeah. yeah and yeah, have yeah. you got any particular feelings on dog walkers? Let's say someone has only got an hour spare and knows it and is very honest about it and that is what they've got. Yeah. What do you feel about having someone come in to, to do that? I think it's okay if you go to the right dog walker. So dog walking is probably one of the first things in this area that is become has become licensed. Mm. So... I think that's a really good thing. However, we all know that in any industry, it's sometimes it's quite easy to, to get licenses. Yeah. It's quite easy. And that's not taking anything away from those people that have done things properly. I think you need to spend time with your dog walker before you get your dog. So mm. you've decided that you want a dog. You know that you're going to need a dog walker. Go and spend some time with them walking other people's dogs. Mm. If they don't allow that. I, I would say by appointment is a good thing. Yeah, all right. Some people might say, well, that means that you, can, you know, they're going to do their best in front of you. Yeah. Of course they are. We're all salespeople at the end of the day. However, you will get a general feel for that person. You will get, I'm personally against dog walkers that have six or seven dogs and just look, just let them off freely for free play. As, even as a professional dog trainer, I wouldn't do that. I can't read all those dogs on, on the, all the time. You can't, you know, govern it. You don't know what level of training those dogs have got. So, I, you know, I don't particularly like that. Mm. I do like people that, that take two or three dogs and, and they're under control and, yeah. and people that experience. One of my trainers, Amanda, she she started off and she's still got a very, very successful business. Um, her ethics are amazing. Mm. So definitely go, so from a dog owner point of view, yeah, it's absolutely fine, but go through um, word of mouth, reputation, yeah. and do make sure that they're licensed as and well. I think we're quite lucky. Quite Obviously, for obvious reasons, quite a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are in this area. We're yes. quite lucky in this area. We are, yeah. There are a lot of good dog walkers out there. Um, another thing that has really impressed me over the past two months, I've been approached by two dog walkers that want to spend time with me mm-hmm educating themselves on the training side and I think yeah. that's amazing you know that yeah. people actually want to educate yourself so I think it's time for change and it and I think it's happening which is lovely so yeah, yeah. so yeah dog walk is fine 
and I don't dog boarding sort of doggy daycare I would again be a little bit careful so some people have a setup and it does work for them where the dogs you know they'll have 10 12 dogs in a room and it's just a fun thing mm. I get there's a byproduct of that so very often if I'm working on a behavior visit and the dogs are reactive on lead one of the first questions that I'll ask is do they actually attend doggy daycare mm. so they're off lead around other dogs it's kind of almost like a, a pack instinct you know that dogs are packs that doesn't mean I'm a pack trainer but dogs do work in packs you know that that's how they live and then suddenly when the owner wants to walk them on lead the dog's very frustrated because they see another dog and what they're used to is being able to run in yeah so you know there is a balance and I'm not sure that doggy daycare done in the wrong way is the right thing yeah. for dogs, particularly if it's a breed that, or, or a dog that is lead reactive. I would. It's one of the things I do remove. Mm. If, if I go, if I'm working with, I only work with four or five reactive dogs at a time. Um, if they go to doggy daycare and they're only frustrated on the lead, then we do discuss other mm. possibilities for that dog. So, yeah. Yeah. So do make sure that you can get the right provision. If you've got a family member, even better. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Excellent. And I guess. Uh, what we discussed there mm-hmm. um, is relevant for rescues as well as puppies. Is there something specific for puppies you'd... Um, you'd- I would, well, again, I'd, I'd want it to be kind of like a one-on-one or a two-on-one mm. basis or maximum three-on-one. Yeah. You know, I would not want young puppies to go out in a pack walk and learn from other dogs. Yeah. They do need to learn from other dogs. I think you need to choose your dog's friends mm-hmm. um, because learning from other dogs is good. My my puppy learned from my reactive dog. However, that's had a little bit, and I'm going to talk about this later, it's had a little bit of effect on his nerves. So mm-hmm. she could be quite boisterous. She never made any contact in the early days, but she would definitely say to him, that's not acceptable. She would stick him on the ground with a paw you know um and and i watched him very very carefully in the early days so yes dogs need to be left to their own devices to sort stuff out yeah. sometimes but dog walk there are dog trainers out there that operate dog walking mm. that's different because they're educated to read the dogs they yeah. know how to read dogs but if you've got a dog walker that isn't a dog trainer and they're walking say a tw- you know a 17 18 week puppy in their usual pack of five, six, seven-year-olds, that could be quite damaging for yeah. that puppy. And I say could be. Might not be, you know, but it could be. Yeah. So I, I would be a little bit careful. And I think with puppies, we've, we've actually, we've started, me and my, one of my other trainers, we've started a nanny service for puppies right. because we think that there was a gap there where puppy, puppies are our future. They're like our children. They are our future. And if we can get our puppy training right Mm. across the board, then we're going to have nicer dogs, which means that we're going to start to slow down the rescue process, which was always my dream, was to try and educate people to stop, you know, dogs going into rescue. So if we can get in with puppies, so, you know, if there lots of people are training different ways and it is still happening you know there are trainers that train differently and there are trainers out there that will disagree with my methods which is absolutely fine but these puppies need nurturing yeah they do need to be balanced so i was chatting with a homeowner today um 
I train my 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 puppy owners for what they want. So, for instance, if I train a puppy, it's going to be completely different to how they're going to do it because yeah. I want I train I compete my dogs at crafts on the British team. I want one hundred percent focus of me. I do lots and lots of interaction with me. My dogs have no interest in other dogs. That doesn't make them a good balanced pet. So they're very much into me. You know, some of them do. I, I have a level of obedience so that they don't resource protect me. But if another dog's approaching them, they're not going to be friendly. So it's getting the balance. So when I work with a home, they want yeah. a balanced pet. Yeah. So, yeah, we've gone off key a little bit. What was the question? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, but not not a huge amount. Um, you're effectively... There's different ways of training. There dogs, is different is ways of training. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. And and I work holistically. Oh, that's what we were talking about. But mm. nanny packages, yeah. you know. So so we're now going to offer a, a dog pack, a puppy package for nannies, where we're offering training services with that dog, so that we can give that puppy a really nice environment. And that may well be as part of their two hour trip that I do take it into class with me, and it is yeah. sitting on my lap around other dogs, learning that other dogs are absolutely fine. Yeah. You put a puppy in a pack and. It learns that actually, you know, that, that I'm going to get bitten. And it's not nice because it it does, it has got to learn that it can't run up to every dog. But you get bitten, you're going to get a nervous dog. Yeah. So, And I think the long and short of it, what you're effectively saying is when you've, you've got to allow enough time if you're going to get a dog. Mm-hmm. And if you do get a dog, you're, you're saying it's at least two hours a day, 14 hours a week, roughly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and if you're going to rely on other people, specifically professionals, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd prefer to see either very small groups or ideal, ideally individually? Yeah, um, I wouldn't, you know, one to three is, is yeah. an all right ratio, you know, if you, but I would again go on word of mouth and reputation. So yeah. yes, you've got to look to make sure that they're licensed, but also do your homework. Most good professionals in our area will be full. Yeah. So you need to put that in place before you get your puppy. Mm. You need you need to do that. I, I've turned away. So my classes starting in January were full by the beginning of December. Yeah. Um, and I'm turning people away, which is I, that does hurt. And I am looking at other avenues. But I also know the same with dog walkers mm. that are booked up for next Christmas. Yeah. You know, if in our area there you need to if you're saying if somebody's saying to you yeah i can fit it all in tomorrow i would be questioning about mm. you know are, and you do they, get good luck there's no doubt about that you do get good luck yeah and you do get new businesses you know there, there yeah. are new businesses all over the world I, i'm actually building up a real good network of people now that i recommend mm. yeah. for other people so yeah do your homework and and but Realise that that comes at a price. So when you're working out your finances as to whether you can afford a dog, work out how much that's going to cost you as well, because that's yeah. a real real time cost. Lots of people will go out and buy lots of different beds and pink. I, I, I like pink, but, you know, really sort of hundreds and hundreds of pounds on toys and dogs yeah. and and they forget the fundamentals yeah. that, that the dog needs. So. Well, that's an interesting um, point, actually. So people working out whether they can have a dog, we've we've talked about the time. Mm-hmm. 14 hours a week is roughly what yeah, we're looking yeah, at. Yeah, a couple of hours a day. And, and that doesn't have to be two hours in bulk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they may have worked out whether they can afford it before or, mm-hmm. or maybe after that point. Mm-hmm. Lots of people... Um, 
we're all I think we all are actually a little bit spontaneous sometimes yeah. aren't we so, yeah, yeah. Um, specifically if you go and see a, a cute puppy or see one online or or something like that yeah um, but when it comes to finances mm-hmm. um, you've obviously got your food um, the majority of people are insure that's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff but puppy training not asking but roughly for people how much is how many times right. are people so going to visit? I, do, I don't mind discussing prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're happy with that. So I do. I have packages. So yeah. eighty five pounds is my one off visit. So I go in and I do a one off visit for that, and they're a couple of hours. Um, and I generally cover the first eight weeks with them at yeah. home because that kind of follows the same line as my book. Yeah. I also do a bundle, um, which is, is three visits, which is one hundred and forty five pounds. Um, and I go three weeks apart. So I'll do the initial visit and then I'll go three weeks and then another three yeah. weeks. Now, depending on the breed of dog and how calm the owners are. So, mm. you know, sometimes I need to work with people that are a little bit and we all go through it with puppies and with babies. I, yeah. remember I was just right stress head with my baby. We want to get it right. We want to get it right. So, you know, sometimes that those three visits, if you if you've got a nice little placid breed of dog, yeah. maybe a King Charles Spaniel or something like that, those three visits may well set you up for life. But yeah. what I do with that, I, they have um, WhatsApp support with me. Yeah. They have oh, I've got a Facebook training group as well, so they have ongoing support. Yeah. Um, then I would always recommend, even with the more placid of our, of our dogs, which to be honest, you don't you see more of, but you don't see a lot of. Definitely, definitely, they should attend at least the first eight weeks of training classes. So, you know, prices in this area range from between roughly £70 to, I think I'm probably top average, uh, mine are just under 100, so I think some are 110, 120. So that's just kind of average eight-week block. Some people do pay-as-you-go, some people do Mm -hmm. block. I always do in block because I want people to be committed to training their dogs and obviously I have venues to pay for and everything else so um I always recommend that they then go on to I do mine in like a silver level some Mm. people do intermediates there's different but I think we need off lead obedience you know which is kind of the next step so it's like you go from preschool into like infant Mm -hmm. school or junior school um and then then there becomes a split. So, so that off-lead obedience can take a little bit of time. So yeah. that, that that might not be one course, that might be two courses, that might mm. be two. Probably on average is about, I would say, £500 yeah. you need to allow in the first year and of that's your over, dogs. Sorry, over, over a, a year. period of time, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had a little, we got a little Facebook chat group and my support group and, and I put a post in there that really made me laugh the other day because somebody, we, I was following a post in one of the groups, I think it was eight out of 10 mums or something. Yeah. And, and somebody had asked the question, you know, how, how much should I allow, which was a really good question. And everyone was talking about worming and feed. And, and I think there was about 80 odd or it might have been 50 odd it was a lot of comments and not one person had said anything about training the dog, which mm. was which I found quite funny. And one of my clients had written on there, if I actually sat down and wrote out how much training I'd paid out for, I'd probably cry. Um, that's the next level, yeah. you know. So lots of people absolutely enjoy 
training their dog. I do. You know, mm. my dogs are four and I'm still training them. I don't need yeah. to. You know, to make a nice pet, mm. they're absolutely fine. But, you know, you've got trainers out there that offer scent work. You've got trainers out there that offer agility and man trailing and canny cross. And, yeah. you know, where it ends is up it to you. It effectively turns into uh, a hobby for people. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, and it's a brilliant hobby. You yeah. Know, it is very, very self-rewarding. So we're looking at around about £500 I would say so, year. definitely. In the yeah. first year, is you should definitely put that to one side, you okay. know. Okay. And does any of that vary if we're looking at a rescue as opposed to a puppy we've got from a breeder? Um, it depends. So behaviour adjustment. So if you're really lucky with your rescue dog, then you it would be the same price, you mm. know, literally the same price. I, I don't know about other trainers, but I will only take on four or five strong-minded rescue dogs and real problems i'll only take on four or five at a time yeah. because they are very it, they're wearing to work with so i i as a trainer i need to stay positive um and so I, and i i like to give a good customer service so and i can't work with any more i don't yeah. have headspace or time mm-hmm. to work with anymore because i offer them full support they have a whatsapp group they have their own personal facebook group yeah. um and i support them the Average, you're sometimes you're looking. My behavior visits for rescue dogs are generally on there three or four hours. You're looking more, you know, towards the 150 mark. Clinical behaviorists are probably three or four times that. I know people in London that charge 500 pounds. Clinical Mm -hmm. behaviorists don't always come up with a training plan, Mm -hmm. um, because they are degree level people, um, and there are lots of places that so they're more diagnosing the issue. Yes, they diagnose, and, and some do training classes and everything, but. But, you know, we're talking severe behaviour problems. um, And generally, sometimes we've got just really large reactive dogs that are owned by smallish people. And Mm -hmm. those dogs have to learn to to show a level of control Mm. because otherwise they're going to pull those people over, you know. And so the four that I work with at the moment, I've only got room for one more, they have half hour visits at, at my own place where we do one-to-one training one of them does an hour so that's like 25 quid an hour yeah um and then you know that they they do their own research as well so i would say initially it's going to be more money yeah really yeah but yeah. that's not every rescue no. no i'm talking about extreme cases um mm. and i certainly i know we're going to talk about rescues in a minute i certainly wouldn't take on an extremely, I say damaged, I think that's probably the right word, damaged rescue that needs a lot of work. Mm. If you're a first-time dog owner, I yeah. really wouldn't recommend that no. at all. So. Of course, it happens by mistake at, at times, but in general, you, you try and avoid it. There are Again, you know, there are rescues out there that I wouldn't recommend that people go to Yeah, because they don't do enough thorough home checks and dogs do end up, in the wrong homes and then those dogs are failed again yeah so make again make sure that you're you're going your word of mouth and and your reputation do your homework Mm. and i think one thing that people are really bad and i'm a victim of this myself not in the dog world but is that we don't follow our gut instincts yeah we tend to sometimes go against our duck in you know everything's saying I want a dog, I want a dog. My gut instinct tells me I shouldn't have that dog. Oh, hang on a minute, I've taken it home. Yeah. You know, I think the one when I do my pup home visits, I don't go to um, the houses with people to select their puppies. That's got to be a personal choice. I give mm. them lots of advice on what they've got to look for, but it's got to be a personal choice. Yeah. 
and I won't take that responsibility either, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it's got to be the same with rescues. If you rescue a dog and everything is screaming to you, walk away, walk away. Yeah. Leave and your heart at home. If, if you can, yeah. <laughs> and stepping back very, very slightly yeah. uh, with the rescues, uh, when you get a new dog, mm-hmm. is there any um, variation if you're rescuing a a puppy or a very young dog as opposed to a dog that's four or five years old? There's lots, yeah, massively. So I always think puppies are a clean sheet. Yeah. You have a clean sheet. Even when they're rescued? Yeah, well. In general? No, because you may well have, say for instance, um, am I allowed to mention any rescues? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so many tears, I work quite I don't work closely with them, but they've got a really good reputation. Yeah. They get groups of puppies come in very regularly. And some of those dogs will have issues around socialisation in the first. So going, this is really deep psychology and it's the same with babies. In the first eight weeks of life, mm-hmm. your personalities are formed, even as humans. Yeah. Right. So if you had... Um, if there was no bonding with the mother for whatever reason, or you might, you know, if you were bred in a stable and there was no light, no darkness, no, while your brain is developing, that has a trauma impact. So it yeah. could well be that you still have fundamental behaviour issues with those puppies. Yeah. So, you know, definitely, definitely, if you are rescuing a puppy lots of rescue centers now will recommend different trainers um which is fantastic and you you could be prepared you you're not going to know what you're going to get that said even if you go to a breeder in a house you're still not going to know what it's no quite so i think the difference between homebred dogs and when i say homebred i mean people that live in a house and they breed a litter of dogs in their house environment. Yeah. I think personally they're much more suited to become family pets because they're used to the washing machine, they're used to a busy household. The person, if they've done a really good job of in their breeding time, will probably be having four or five different bowls of feed out there yeah. at times so that the puppies aren't instinctively fighting and they've been handled and all those things that puppies need for domestication. Whereas if you've got a rescue litter of puppies, Mm -hmm. they may well have been born in a stable. So, for instance, my Kip, he was born in a stable. He wasn't a rescue, but they, you know, they were, they were born on a hunt yard. Right. And I wouldn't have recommended my litter of puppies to somebody, to a first time dog owner. Yeah. yeah, Because, you know, the the lady, they they were bred. She was lovely, absolutely lovely. And it was what I want. The the meat was thrown into them. Mm -hmm. They they had to fight for that. Um, And that gave my dog a lot of drive. So he was kind of bred for purpose. And I don't think it's our job, especially on this podcast, to to judge which is right, which is wrong, which is right. But definitely... I think if you're looking for a nice, balanced pet, then you are far better looking at 
breeders that breed at home mm-hmm. rather than perhaps a stable bred working dog. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, if you're really active and you're really, I work with a, a retired couple today, they're really, really active. They've got a sprocker from a, a hunt yard and they're prepared for whatever that dog's going to throw at them yeah. because we don't know what that's going to throw no. at them. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So talk to us about rescues. Or rescuing a dog so you've yeah. made so you've made a decision that actually you don't want a puppy you want to go down the read yeah. you want to rescue a dog brilliant fantastic so firstly i would say and i say this is the same thing with with any dog that you need to try and cut your heartstrings a little bit and i yeah. think that's harder for a woman than a man just because we're more nurturing mm-hmm. um so you need to cut your heartstrings. Yeah? yeah, you need to work with re- reputable rescues yeah. because, again, it's one of the the dog industries. You know that is relatively ungoverned. Anybody can set up as a rescue. We've got lots of people bringing in dogs from abroad. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend dogs that that come in from another country. Some are all right, some are not. Mm-hmm. Some have lived on the streets for eight years. You can imagine, you know, going into London. We all want to do the right thing by somebody that's living on the streets, but trying to rehabilitate that yeah. person into your house is going to be quite difficult. They're going to have all sorts of social skills. So it's exactly the same with a rescue. So go to a reputable rescue. Yeah. And if you don't think that the home check that that rescue has offered you is enough, walk away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this becomes a real heart pulling thing because you want a dog because at this point i imagine the majority if not every single one has at the very least looked online definitely there is no choice to to look online because you know people say oh don't look online those days are gone yeah you know we have to look online sadly for everything that we want yeah yeah so unless you're going to drive around the country and look for shops and you know is that a rescue place is that a rescue but in theory if you I'm not, I don't think anyone would do this, but in theory, if you think, oh, I'd like to rescue a dog, you talk about it in the family, you've got enough time, all that sort of stuff we've just been through, you could pick up the phone and phone up a rescue centre that's... Uh, rep- yes, say, you could, yes. Where yeah. are you going to find the rescue centre's number? I'd probably go Yellow Pages. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You'd look online, yeah? No, but, yeah. Um, some rescue centre, in fact... Not all I of them have can, pictures of them, No, so don't look at pictures. Right, I'm going to... I know we're going to talk about Beth. I did. Mm. I looked at a picture. Oh, she's sweet. Oh, look at that face. Yeah, little nose up against a crate. Yeah, that's the dog for me. (laughs) Was it the right thing? I've given her a nice home. You know, she's a lovely dog. We'll talk about her in a minute. But try not to, first of all, become a dog collector. Yeah. So, so we do do that as well. But yeah, try not to shop with your heart. So you, you've rung up the rescue centre. Yes, I'm serious about about um, taking over a dog. Mm. If that rescue centre says no to you, it's probably for, and I say probably because there are some cases where I was like, mm, that's a little bit extreme, yeah. but I've not done the home search that they've done. If they say to you, you know, the, the dog that they're doing, they should do cat tests, they should do, you know, all sorts of tests. Sometimes, sadly, the rescues don't know. Yeah. So they don't know. You yeah, know, the yeah. ideal rescue for everybody is sadly when, when somebody's died and it's gone straight out of one home into fostering another home. 
um, and then it gets rehomed. That, that's, you know, everybody's yeah. ideal. But dogs are sometimes affected in kennels. So some dogs don't do well in, in somewhere like Dogs Trust. And I say some dogs, you know, so you know, then you'll have to be, you sometimes get lead reaction when mm-hmm. a dog comes out of rescue because, again, they've been a, a pack dog. So when, when yeah. they're on lead and, and you're like, oh, my dog won't walk on lead, then then they're getting frustrated. So then they're going to bark because they can't go over there. So do your homework and try and be honest with yourself. So, yes, by all means, if, if whether I agree with it or not, it, it's not my it's not up to me to say to somebody, don't do it. It's their own decision. And yeah. there are dogs available that are, that are there for coming in abroad. If that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. Right. That's absolutely fine. Go and do it. Be prepared for the financial input. Get a trainer on board to work with you and your dog. Get an experienced with a good reputation trainer and be prepared to put the financial input and be prepared to accept that dog for what it is. That's the hardest battle that I have with people that rescue dogs that it doesn't quite go the way that they want to go. So um, I will quite often say to them, you've got to accept, you know, and I think that's the same as having a child, isn't it? We've all got this dread. My children are lovely. I absolutely adore them. I never had any pre- perception of what I wanted them to be but I know some people do and, yeah, and yeah. you know everybody want everybody think like oh not everybody that's wrong but lots of people will say I want my dog to be able to do this I want my dog to be able to do that I want them to be able to go and play with other dogs well mm. it may not happen yeah. you know and that may not happen with a puppy either yeah, so quite. be prepared and acceptance for rescue dogs is a massive big wonderful thing the day you can accept this dog is the way that it is. It's damaged, but we're working with a trainer. Lots of behaviour issues we can train out of them. Some of them we do have to manage. So so it may well be that that rescue dog has bitten. Once a dog's bitten, the old fallacy of it's tasted blood, you know, it's going to do it again. It's not the right way of putting things. But once they've bitten, you know that that dog is capable of biting. It is your responsible, legal responsibility that that dog should be out in a muzzle. Yeah. So then don't turn around and say, I don't want my dog to be in a muzzle. Yeah. Because it's going to have to be. It's interesting, actually, because there is, um, and I can think of uh, someone in particular who hates the idea of muzzle and just won't put it on the dog. And the dog, Mm. I believe... I don't know where the dog's bitten, but I, I think they have. Um, but there's a lot of... Um, I couldn't have it on my conscience. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who hate the idea of muzzles. Yeah, so um, the Baskerville types of muzzles are the best. Yeah. I know this isn't about my... Because they, no. you can get treats in. So yeah. I click a train muzzles so that the dog sees it as a nice thing. So yeah. we do lots of touching the muzzle. Look, mm. We get it so the point, so the dog will actually put their nose quite nicely into a muzzle. And um, we um, put, put treats down the bottom mm. so that they feel my dog walks in a muzzle. Yeah. So um, that's a new thing, which we'll talk about soon. But um, it's not a bad thing. You no. are protecting other people. More importantly, for me, you're protecting that dog's life. Mm. So if your dog bites somebody, that's pretty much... You know, you, you can be obviously prosecuted. You know, it could be damaging if that's a child. That's yeah. going to be really, really damaging. There are cases where it would be put down. And, mm. and that, that gets into the whole breed-specific yeah, thing on the power of the jaws and that sort of thing. Um, 
if it bites a dog, sadly, it's not seen as such a bad thing. But to me, you know, there's been a couple of cases on Facebook lately mm. where it's quite a bad thing. So, you know, one of the first management systems that your dog should be is a muzzle. It's your responsibility to protect your dog's life. So if, if my dog bites somebody, I am going to have it destroyed. Mm. You know, there are no two ways about it, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I'm protecting her life. By putting yeah. a muzzle on her, there is nothing bad. However, what I do do is I play lots of fun games with her in her muzzle, and yeah. and she and she does get a little bit of leniency with other staff, so so that she sees it as a fun thing. She's mm. actually learned. I, t- I play find with her in the grass, and because it's a Baskerville, she's learned that she can get. A, I stick a sausage in a bit of grass, let her find it, and she's she's learned to flick it up and get it in her muzzle. So I think if somebody's going to muzzle train, you need to be on board of it because if you see it as a negative thing, my dog's in a muzzle, my dog's in a muzzle, then, you know, that's uh, that's going to portray onto your dog. Yeah. Interestingly, it's not just owners that feel like that because people stay away from me mm. because my dog's in a muzzle, which is great. I kind of want that in a way, but actually my dog's safer than anybody else's dog. But that's why people don't like it because they're worried what other people think about it. yeah. We're, and that's we're a exactly judgmental what it is. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that. Yeah, and there's loads of reasons. In fact, actually, we we sell muzzles. Yeah, I think it's a really the majority good thing. of them are nothing to do with biting. No, they're to do with a dog scavenging. Yeah, yeah. I've I've reckoned that I've got a severe Labrador that I'm working with, where we're working on focus and everything else. It's a yeah. real behaviour issue. I've got that in a muzzle walking yeah. out because it's going to kill itself soon. And there is, there's, uh, we've had dogs, um, mm. customers here, who the dog's been down the vet mm-hmm. so many times yeah. because they've eaten the wrong thing. Because yeah. unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. the dog and will find litter much easier than we will. Yeah, definitely. And you always have to think of two, I look at a, a behaviour problem two ways. I'm, for the first thing I need to do is manage that behaviour. Yeah. So the first thing we need to do is muzzle. Because we've got to stop the behaviour. So so that's your management. Then you work on your training mm-hmm. out alongside of that. So would the management disappear? You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, with a dog with bite history, the, the reason my dog wears a muzzle is because I know, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about it, that my dog bite can pierce the skin and will be yeah. <laughs> a bit emotional there. And will pierce the skin. Yeah. So okay. she's got to have a muzzle. The day she let me down, she's now muzzled. It wasn't yeah. outside before no. I say that, but she's. I will not have my dog outside without a muzzle on. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Okay. So tell us about Beth. Ah, oh, she's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind admitting that we actually cancelled this appointment because yeah. of what happened before Christmas. So I rescued Beth about. I can't remember how old she is. Six, seven years ago, she she rescued. I rescued her. She, I did everything wrong. She was a cute picture yeah. that I really liked. And in her, so her story basically was she was dumped under a car um, by a park at about four weeks old. Mm-hmm. So she had quite a poor upbringing. And she was taken in from a guy, um, he, she was down in Portsmouth. Um, in fact, it wasn't Portsmouth. I thought it was Portsmouth when I put it in my sat nav and it was Plymouth I ended up driving hours and I thought I was going to Portsmouth <laughs> so I went down to Plymouth I know <laughs> don't hold your head in your hand <laughs> that's quite that's quite a long way <laughs> yeah and basically this guy had taken her in yeah. and he was a builder so he was out 12 hours a day so she'd had a really poor 
um, brain development because, you know, she was in a really poor place. And then she was taken in by this guy. She was t- He took her into the pound. Mm. They had um, a seven-day policy down there. So she was going to be destroyed after seven days. He didn't want that to happen, so he took on the dog. Mm. They basically couldn't... He couldn't cope with the dog. He was out 12, 13 hours a day. So Beth lived in a kitchen kind of on her own as devices. So her issues started because she wasn't socialised and yeah. she had the undevelopment of her brain. So yeah. I went and picked her up, said to the guy, I was quite, you know, going back seven years, I wasn't as educated as mm. I am now. So I was probably a little bit naive. She yeah. growled at my Herbie to start with and, no, you don't do that to Herbie. So I was like, well, okay, that's fine. So um, we, I said to him, I made a pact with him at that time and said, look, if it doesn't work out, I promise mm. you right now that I will find the right home for her. Yeah. And that was a pact that we made. So over the period, very young period of time, I should have brought tissues in here because I'm getting really <laughs> emotional. So over a period of time, over about four or five months, I am going to cry. She shows some real severe resource guarding. So yeah. she um, would resource guard her area that she was sleeping. So she she was crate trained. Um, the children were quite young. I am going to cry. The children were quite young and she would protect. If she was allowed out of her crate and she was asleep on the floor and they were walking around, she would snap at them. So right. she had to go in her crate when I wasn't around. Um I was exploring, I had already started studying as a dog trainer. I was, um, I worked with a lady, Kay Atwood, down in, in Suffolk. I just went and observed her classes. I really liked the way that she trained. There were other methods available for me. So there was more kind of um, prong collar type methods yeah. available for her and shot collars and all the rest of it. And it didn't sit comfortably with me. The other thing is at home, sometimes I can... I shout. I do shout. It's not my. It's not a good trait, but I do sometimes shout. And when I shouted, she weed. Even if I wasn't shouting at her. Yeah. Um. So that said to me that that wasn't the right method for her. Um. She would resource guard her food. She would resource guard. She was resource guarding everything. Um. Coupled along with that, she also had quite a severe chase reactive. So mm. she was she was off her head. You yeah. know, basically. Yeah. Um. At my worst point, she pinned my daughter into a corner um she never she never bitten any of my children at all and Stacey was quite young at the time I got a phone call so I'd already started clicker training her she had a really good she's really good with her training she had a really good response and my son rang me up and he said Stacey can't move out the corner dog's really growling really barking what do we do so I just said open her crate Mm. go and get a handful of biscuits dump her in her crate and I'll deal with it when I get home and credit where credit's due um and I sat down with my children, particularly Stacey, because she kind of saw it as her next. She'd got into a bit of agility with a trainer that we we're working for. She saw it as her dog. And, yeah. and I said to them, I'm crying. I said to them at the time um, that, it, you know, we're either going to work through this or we're not going to work through it. Yeah. And we, we're going to give this dog two months. How long had you had her at that stage? Probably... About two or three months, I would think. Maybe so a reasonable slightly length of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, generally what happens when you when you rescue a dog or you bring a puppy, there's a settling in time. Dogs are quite shut down when they go into a new yeah. environment. So you, you really don't start to see their character 
until kind of a month, two months down the line. So yeah. lots of people think that they've got, you know, a lovely dog. Um, and I don't want any of your listeners, you know, I'm, I'm a dog trainer, so I see the worst of everything. Yeah. So, you know, there are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of beautiful cases out there of success. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we, she would have had a, a quite, she may have even been slightly longer than that before yeah. she started to really, really develop stuff. And, and I saw the early signs and, so anyway, we, we kind of put a two month thing on it. Scacy was really scared of her, really, yeah. you know, and I, and I get that. I did all her training with a clicker outside of it. Now, I did explore another couple of methods, which is, is quite interesting to talk about as well. So I was working with a couple of people that suggested throwing rattle bottles full of stones next yeah. to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, really kind of get the, the strong pack leader rules and, and I and I tried it for a few weeks and it didn't sit comfortably. Basically, I was reading the dog and yeah. so I as, and I was learning to be a dog trainer. Do I want to use that method? Do I want to use other methods? Didn't sit comfortably with me. Um, I've worked you know again with with kids that have been abused and I see the the size of that. So so yeah, I did explore those things as well with her. And I remember what I don't know where it came from probably best that I don't remember, but someone actually said to to throw a rattle bottle next to her and shout at the rattle bottle like. What on earth would that be? You know, because it would show yeah. that you're in control of the rattle bottle. Yeah, great. But anyway, so we explored lots of different trainings. So I don't think that helped her. I really don't think that, right. that helped her yeah. at all. Um, but what I did get was a real good level of obedience, mm. you know. So we went down the road of, of clicker training in the end. I had really strong boundaries at home. She, all her rights were taken away from her. So she wasn't allowed to sleep anywhere other than in her crate because yeah. that was her area to protect and no one was allowed near her crate. And to this day, no one is allowed near her crate. That's her area. She's quite at liberty to protect that. So we, yeah. we kind of met her halfway with that. Um, yeah. So and we embarked. You know, she'd never to this to that point. She'd never bitten. She'd never ever bitten anybody. I kept her below threshold, and we did start agility training. Um, she she was a really good girl. She you know she yeah. really really. Did I've never trusted her completely because you read her. She goes forward. She's she's quite easy to read, but she's quite what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cunning. Yeah. So she'll lull into a false sense of security. So anyway, as time went on, we mm. we had to deal with. I undressed everything that was going on in her behaviour. We dealt with all the chase issues, all the child issues, all the you know, one by one. Every time I undress one and we dealt with it, I got another one. Yeah. Every single time without fail. Um, and I don't think there was a finished product. Agility no. helped her a lot. Lots of people told me not to put her into agility because of her chase and, you know, yeah. the, the whole fact that she she could be quite dangerous or we she perceived quite dangerous. We didn't know, you know. Yeah. So I and I for me I made a pact to her that I would Right, try and save her life because yeah. you know if I let her bite somebody or then it, it, she would just have to be destroyed. Yeah, so yeah. you know I wanted to save her life. So I have never put her in a position that she would bite somebody, mm. which is why you know I always kept her, her level of obedience. She was always a good agility dog. She was never a stunning agility dog. She would never be fast because I needed to be able to drop her to a down. Yeah 
at any given point and Stacey needed that so we had to get rid of a lot of the drive and a lot of the adrenaline yeah. and everything so yeah we went on Stacey got her to crafts you know so she yeah. can <laughs> Stacey got her to crafts and, and you know she she she's done amazingly yeah. and the bond is there and we all love her and everything else so about two years ago, she was showing signs that she's got something in her pelvis. So one right. of the things that I've not been able to do, my vet's really good with her, yeah. but it absolutely traumatises her to be explored by other people. Right, so okay. she's muzzled with the vet so that she doesn't bite the vet, but she wets herself. She will absolutely, she cannot cope with that at yeah. all. So um, she, we retired her from agility yeah. and... Um, what I didn't realise at the time, and as a dog trainer, we're only going back probably a year, 18 months I retired okay. her. And the agility brings lots of other things. So it brings exercise. Yeah. It brings one-to-one. That's yeah. been a real key thing with her. So it brings one-to-one. It brings mental stimulation. It gives them her purpose. So she had a purpose in life. So, and she loves it. She, she was, when I've retired her, she actually works with some of my, I've got people that have become friends that I train agility that dogs might not be able to do agility. Yeah. So we still, she works with them and she okay. goes over a, like yeah. a little, like um, just tiny little jump and that sort of thing. Well, that all stopped because of the winter and I felt that her pelvis was getting worse. Um, she, I'm not going to explore her pelvis. That's a really tough decision I've had to make because yeah. she, it, I, she can't cope with it mentally. How old is she now? She's seven. Right. Um, she's not lame. She's not in yeah. massive amount of pain, but, uh, you know, I think there is a discomfort. I know we've spoken about feeding as well. Yeah. Have definitely noticed a difference with what feed she's on. That's yeah. made a difference. Um, what I hadn't noticed is that her underlying behaviour had started to go back to how she was when we first got her. So okay. she'd suddenly become a little bit more barky at things, a little bit more protective. You know, if, even if I was stepping over, she'd be like, get in your bed, get in your bed. Anyway, so that's been really, really good. couple of weeks just before Christmas I was due to come in, wasn't I? Mm. She... Um, my boys sometimes have hissy fits, so they're terriers, and sometimes yeah. they'll like look at each other wrongly, and they'll just Ehh. and there's never any blood, never. It's very quickly diffused, and she flew at them from the other side of the room. She absolutely flew at them. She felt that it was her place to do it. Um, she took Kip into a corner. Um, she did puncture him. Um, yeah. I was I was absolutely mortified when it happened. Um, I cancelled this appointment straight yeah, away. Quite. Yeah, I couldn't talk. I didn't want to talk about her. You know, no, I just quite. didn't. Um, I walked away from her for three weeks. I couldn't look at her. I didn't like her. I didn't. I am going to cry. <laughs> I, yeah, I just literally didn't want anything to do with her at all. And um, gave it. I said to my son, "You need to walk that dog every day because at the moment." I just, I didn't want to make an emotional based decision mm. because I felt that I owed it to her not to make a decision based on the way that I was yeah. feeling. So. And we should say, just so people can follow the timeline, uh, I've met your son. He's, he's a lot older now. Yeah, yeah, he's 21 now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's fully in control. And so, so what has happened now, now she's proved to me that she can pierce skin. Yeah. That dog will never be without a muzzle, mm. ever, because I owe it to her and other people. Um, we've really, as a family, we've got on board. So my son absolutely loves the fact that she's like, well, I've got this dog. But what it's given them, and they cuddle a lot, but what it's given them is a bond. She's got her one-to-one 
yeah. back. She's got her purpose back. Where the story will end, I don't know. No. You know, so at the mo- so for a long time, I say a long time, it's only been weeks, isn't it? But I, I put my head in my sand. I, I didn't want to make a decision, basically because I was feeling so emotional about it. So, you know, I could just kept looking at Kip and, and he didn't need stitches or anything, yeah. but he was tiny. I did need to intervene. He was bruised. And it was unacceptable because she was from the other side of the room. So, yeah. you know, I've set up a lot of other things. That Is that more to do with the fact that it's almost premeditated? I don't think it was premeditated. I think it, so. I, I always tend to look at things holistically. So had she been so you t- when you look at things holistically, are they getting enough mental stimulation? Are they getting enough exercise? Are they getting enough one to one? Bear in mind, she was agility dog. So she was used to that one to one loving yeah. as well. So. It, I think it was. I don't think it was premeditated. I think mm. it was reactive. Yeah. Um. She reacted to the noise that they made, and she felt that it was her job to absolutely deal with that. Yeah. You know. Um. Which is not her job. You know. So, I think by and this is where, it, you know, every day as a dog trainer, I learn something new, and and that's really good. So, for me, that's living proof that we have to look at dog behaviours holistically. Mm-hmm. If they're not on the right feed, they're going to be slightly uncomfortable. If they're not, if they're in pain, when I do a behaviour visit, is the dog in pain? That's going to cause them to behave differently, you know? So so do I need to explore pain, like holistic painkillers with her? Is she getting enough exercise? Is she, you know, because that mm. would never have happened no. before she retired from the agility. Mm. So, you know, so th- I, I kind of, I feel a lot better. I, I walk her a lot now and, you know, but she'll never be without a muzzle. Mm. And the one thing that I will, when it's time, I will know as a, as a dog owner, not as a dog trainer, but as a dog owner, I will know when it's time to make the right decision for my dog. Yeah. In the meantime, I won't allow that to happen again either to one of my dogs or, or to any other dogs if I get you know then then you get to say well do they need to be muzzled at home yeah. do, you know and it, that's a whole different story because then you've got mm. quality of life yeah. but I'll know when the time's right mm. that I'll make the right decision yeah. for me my family and my dogs so. and I think as well it's 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 probably living proof of something you've always said to me um, and the majority of our customers don't necessarily believe in is that actually when you train a dog it isn't stopped at the point where they're fixed no, um, no, specifically a dog like that maybe yes, training them to yeah, sit will last yeah, forever yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and, and dog training is is so complex and i think i've, I've got I think it's a result of my online style. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's my reputation. I'm not sure what it is, but I am so busy that, you know, I, I deal and I, and I work with a group of trainers as well. We have a really good group of trainers that I work with and, and we explore different things. And it's like, wow, you know, it doesn't stop. It yeah. really doesn't stop. Yeah. And, and I now in part of my pup pack and my, my home visit pack, I have a little checklist that goes on people's fridges that that is that holistic package mm. Is your dog getting enough exercise? Is your dog getting enough attention? And when I say attention, put your phone down, put your reading books down. You know, our kids don't get it. I don't know if you saw it on this Facebook 
post the other day, there was an artist that's drawn a picture of the phone that goes over their head yeah. and it's wired to their head and, it, and it's meant to portray that we are locked in our phones. Yeah. Well, if, if, I, you know, if I was talking into my phone now and you were talking to me, I wouldn't know what you were saying. No, um, So the time that we spend with our dogs has got to be quality. That's not meant to say that you can't sit down on a sofa and watch telly, but you've got to give them quality time. Are they getting yeah. enough exercise? Are they getting enough mental stimulation? Are they fed the right food? Do Are we training our dog? And yeah. if you hit those five things, the majority of the time, most things can be con- conquered. Yeah. You know, you so, say, but some rescue dogs will need training for life. Yeah. But do rescue dogs because that's a good thing. Yeah. But be prepared. And I think that that's kind of, we've gone a whole circle here. Not quite how sure how we've done that. But when you're looking for a dog, you've got to do the right thing for you so that, you know, if you're going to rescue, fantastic. Work with, you know, many tears rescues, change your poor life rescues. They're really good rescues. I know these yeah. people personally. They will make sure that the dog fits the home. Your dog should have a rescue backup for life. If it doesn't work within your home, they need to do the right thing for that dog. There are cases where some dogs need to be destroyed. You know, mm-hmm. I used to think that the world was fluffy, but it's not. Um, and be prepared to accept. So that's, you know, Beth is what she is. She's yeah. brought me so much. She's brought Stacey so much, she's brought Jordan so much. I've learned a lot with her. If it hadn't have been for her, would I have ended up being a more dominance-based trainer? Maybe. Yeah. You know, it was certainly her that made me explore other ways. So, mm. so yeah, it never, it can, it never stops, never yeah. stops. So. And so it never stops. We were saying how busy you are, um, but we've got an event coming up. We have. Which yes. the date is on your phone, which is all the way over there. I'm going to get it rolling at the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so, yeah. So this was born. So we, we set up this event, which is called a Perfectly Balanced Canine Universe. This was born from a conversation that um, Alicia Bradbury of Alicia's Obedience Dog Training yeah. and Paul Lasky, who's, um, he works for himself. So he yeah. runs his, he doesn't run classes, but he does behavior visits and everything. We were chatting one day and we um, said that, the amount of knowledge that's in our heads, we can't put down in writing. You just can't. Yeah. You know, we've all been in business. I think between us, we worked it out to be 30 years. Then I wanted to get you involved because obviously you, um, you know, we we, we talked to you a lot to do with the food. Yeah. Um, I've actually got, Alicia's managed to get a nurse. And it was born to the fact that A, we wanted to do something for charity. But B, the idea is that we can get lots of knowledge to people. So I think it's a really... People love talking about their dogs. I did my welcome meeting yesterday for my dog, new dog owners. I had to kick them out because they only get 45 minutes. And like yeah. an hour and 10 minutes later, we were like, come on, we need to go. <laughs> so people love exploring dogs. So that's the yeah. idea is that we're going to be at the front open to canine related questions. Yeah. And it is on March the 3rd. March the 3rd. At Hadley Methodist Church. But you have to pre-book your yep. tickets. So how do people do that? People, I should know the answer to this. You do. People um, email admin at essexdogtraining.co.uk. So yep. although um, I'm I'm not the sole organiser, I've, I've agreed to organise it via my page yep. on my Facebook. So you can visit Essex Dog Training page as well. And we're all co-people, aren't we? So yep. yeah, just, just message any of us. You've got a pre-book. It's £10 everything is going to charity apart from the hall cost. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really, really exciting. It's at 7 o'clock it starts yeah. on the 3rd of March, but you have to pre-book your tickets. 
Yeah. So and they are really going well. So. And we'll make sure we put um, all of that information on the podcast show notes so people can yes, see that. Yes, perfect. Yes, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. Good. Super. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us again, Emma. I'm sure we're. Did we answer again. what we were going to answer? I think we did. Good. Perfect. I think we did. Lovely. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> <laughs>